Hey man, we're in a, in a message this morning called uh, Going Outside. We're in the middle of our series called On Mission. Um, and uh, we're going to continue the On Mission series. This is our fourth one, fourth one in this. We're going to keep working through this for the next few weeks. As we work to get our arms around, why does the church exist? Uh, what, what, what does God call, calling me into? Where is he sending me? How is he going to use my life uh, with purpose uh, to accomplish his mission. His mission is simple, save the world. His mission is simple. He, he went to Jerusalem. We looked at last week where Jesus said that he, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem where he was going to lay his life down for mankind, and he invites us in that with him to deny ourselves, to lay our lives down, and to follow him to help save our neighbor, share the good news with our neighbor and love our neighbors. Uh, this week, I got to have a great meeting with Michael Clark. Some of y'all know Michael Clark. He's been here and preached before. He's from Harlan County. And uh, we were just, we had lunch and then we were just chatting about some things and, and talking about kind of a vision of, of the church. And, um, and, and one of the things we came through, we wrote this, this line and what God is putting on our heart uh, is, and, and our church has a mission statement. It's pretty clear. God gave us our mission. Uh, our, our church's mission statement really just recounts what the Bible says. Uh, it says, spread the good news of Jesus Christ, develop believers to become leaders, that's discipleship, and then just unite people, followers of Jesus, to show compassion on their neighbor, to serve our neighbor and our community. And, uh, and so as I've been walking through, and I've shared with you the Together for the Mountains initiative that, I, that, I'm, that I'm a part of uh, with Southland Christian Church between a partnership here, and I'm thinking, what, what's, what's on my heart? What am I kind of seeing? What, what would I, if, if, if everything, God did everything I felt like he could do and I wanted him to do, what would it look like? What's the end result look like? And here's what, as we were talking, here's just a line that came out of that, uh, is, is that for every one of our neighbors, everybody in the community, every single person in, in every, you know, you can drive an hour and a half from Pikeville and still be in Pike County. Y'all know that? I'm talking that place, those people. And here's what's a little bit different is, is what's on my heart is for them to experience God's love to experience God's love. Because I want you to think about that just for a minute. Yeah, I want to share the good news. And, I, and, and more than likely, growing up here, they've heard the good news. They've heard the story of Jesus. They've heard what you got to do to get saved. They've been invited to church. They've heard who Jesus was, and he died on a cross. And They've heard all that. More than likely, there may be some here that have not heard it. That... They might hear that he loves them. But let me, let me ask you just this. Uh, have they experienced that God loves them? Let me ask you this. Your neighbors in your community where you live, what have you done, what have I done in the last week, two weeks, month, six months, that they would say, God, Man, why do they love me? What, what, what have we done to make sure they experience God's love? So that what we say that God loves them and that, that he died for them and that we say all that and they hear one thing, but I'm concerned they've experienced another. 
They've experienced judgment. They've experienced ridicule. They've, they, they've experienced uh, uh, people who say they're, pretend they're Christians or say they are and don't act like it. And they experience what they think is a hypocrite because we've not really clearly communicated like, hey, we're all broken people. I don't go to church because I'm perfect. I don't go to church to be perfect. I go to church because I'm not perfect, and I need God, and I just want to go thank him for saving me. And so this heart that's, that, that, that's kind of well up in me is like every neighbor, every person experience God's love for them through you and me, through the church. If God's going to love on them, it's going to be through you and me. And so this is what being on mission is about. This is about how we're going to do that. What are we going to do? And, and, and I got a good friend, Lee Webb. He's from uh, Shelbyville. Um, originally lives in Lexington now. He wrote this book called Go Outside. Uh, he planted a church um, about 10 years ago, maybe a little longer than that. Oh, yeah, 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, this is kind of his story, and the title of his book is Go Outside. And uh, he used this verse... Um, that was kind of his foundation that I want to talk about this morning, Hebrews 13, just for a minute as an introduction. Um, but as I talked to him, there were times, and he, he went to a, uh, a, um, a, a, a very historic church in Shelbyville that had been there a long time, and nothing against churches had been there a long time. But God just started working in his heart. And, and he found himself on Sunday mornings uh, doing, doing something. He, he was sitting he, he was stuck in the ritual, all right? He, he, lived in the, he lived in a nice house, a nice subdivision, had all the stuff. He was, he, he was his own, uh, he was self-employed, he had his own business. You know, he was going to church every Sunday. He was making potluck when they had it. He was doing the things you do, right, in, in church. And, and he, he, was, he was sitting in church one Sunday morning, and he was looking at the chandeliers. Y'all know the chandeliers. Y'all know the chandeliers? He said, I just, I found myself just counting the little things on it that are just hanging from it and asking himself, is this what it's about? And so he got out the church bulletin that day and he started, he, he said, well, what, was, what was on his heart were these people that he knew in the community. And he just started writing names down. And, and this list of people were people who would never ever walk through the door of that church just likely would never walk through the door of the church and he read this this verse in hebrews 13 uh, we're going to read just 12 through 14 and so jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood let us then go to him outside the camp Bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. In this verse, verse 11, they talk about how in the holiest of places at this time, people had to make sacrifices of animals for their sin. And they would take the blood, the priest would take the blood into the holiest of holies. And they would take the bodies outside the camp and burn them. It sounds like a beautiful place. I mean, that's just where you... You know, that's where you're looking for your Airbnb right now to go hang out and spend the weekend. No, it's nasty. It was disgusting. Nobody went there. Everybody that went there was completely defiled. Like you didn't go there. 
And yet here in, in Hebrews, they talk about, the writers talking about Jesus said, he went outside the city gate, outside the comfort zone, outside the place where everything was cozy and perfect, and he went out where it was messy. And then the writer of Hebrews says, let us then go to him outside the camp. And yet we have this, long, this longing, this hunger for comfort and complacency and ritual, and we want to be inside the camp. That's why it scared me to death when we got this space. Right, three years ago, and we got this space because before that we didn't have walls, so we had to be outside and we were doing things. And so, so we're continually pressing ourselves to get outside the camp, outside these walls. This, I, I've got bad news, but this is not the place where we are going to reach the multitudes of lost around us. It is not going to be here on Sunday morning. This is the place we come together, and some people will find Christ here, but we're going to get like charged up as an army to go on mission throughout the week to share the gospel with your neighbors, your friends, your co-worker. Share the gospel, but also just let them experience God's love for them. Some of you might be like me, and, and for a long time that was super awkward for me. Like, I say, yeah, I'm going to do that. But then you talk to somebody like, how do I talk to them about Jesus? What do I say? What's, what's my message? How do I go about it? And so we're going to take this example of a time that Jesus went way outside, like way outside. And we're going to look at how he did it. How did he address the person? And then, and then, and then we're going to find out in our heart, what do we do? What's going outside look like? What's it feel like? What do we say to that person when we are sharing the gospel? With them, not just inviting them to church. That's the thing, like, it's really easy to do that. You know, should come Sunday. But you got to be empowered to go deeper than that with people and speak into their heart and be their, their own resource and connection uh, to God. So we're talking about going outside our comfort zone, outside traditions, outside all the things uh, that make us comfortable. So let's look at this passage in Luke chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 26. Uh, this is right after Jesus got all the disciples in a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee, and this crazy storm came. They all thought they were going to drown, and Jesus calmed the storm. Okay, and they get to the other side. It says they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes. Gerasenes. I didn't even look up how to say that. I don't know how to say that. Y'all know how to say it? They went to Gerasenes. That sounds good. Which is across the lake from Galilee. Here's the thing about the place you need to know. You don't need to pronounce the name. You need to know that they left Galilee where all the Jews were. And they went across the sea through a storm, almost died, to get to a place where the non-Jews lived. The Gentiles. No Jews lived here. This was not their people. This was a totally different place. They went across the sea and they landed here in a place with people that were not like them at all. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Welcome home. <laughs> Welcome to town. I mean, when he stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. And there's, there's some cool things about this man. One, uh, he was naked. I mean, I guess that's not cool, but for a long time, this man had not worn clothes. I don't know how long that was. I mean, so, so you got, this is how life happens, Okay. You're just on the boat sailing, getting in, you know, to, uh, you know, Fort Canaveral, <laughs> right? You're expecting to get off the boat, and things are just perfect. And, and this is what happened with Jesus. And all of a sudden, in an instant, 
He was given the opportunity to minister. And you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like in the most unlikely places in your life. You're going to be faced with this opportunity to speak into somebody's situation. Like when you're, when you're, when you're getting out of the car, when you're in the, in, in, in the line at Food City, when you're getting your nails done, when you're at the gym, when you're like, there's going to be these places. You've got to be ready. You've got to be watching. You've got to be waiting and say, God is always this architect of circumstances and people. And you've got to be hungry and ready and waiting. Man, oh, I sense it. And I, I've been getting this feeling more and more lately. Like God putting people on my heart, and when I see somebody, I can just feel they need me to say something. And lately, I've just been saying it. Like I used to not. I used to be like, I'm crazy. I'm not saying it. And lately, I've just been saying what's on my heart. And you've got to be looking for those opportunities to minister to people. So, that, so Jesus gets, gets off the shore. He gets first step on. This crazy man comes up to him. He's lost it. He's demon-possessed. He's naked. He's, 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 uh, he, he's so crazy. People have, have loved him so much. That he's broken loose from his chains where they had chained him in the cemetery. I mean, that's how much these people loved him. I mean, is there, is there, can you, can you say any clearer, we wish you were dead, than to chain somebody in the tombs in the cemetery? And so this man, he comes out and he sees Jesus, he cries out and he falls at his feet and he's shouting at the top of his voice. He says, what do you want with me? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. In Mark's version of this story, Mark chapter 5, you can find and it reiterates here that Jesus had told the demons to leave this man already. They were going to be going. They were going to be leaving. They didn't have a choice. But that question stirred me. What do you want with me? Can you see yourself asking Jesus that? What do you want with me? What do you want with me? Because everybody else wanted rid of him. Everybody else was trying to avoid him. You know people like this? Everybody else had given up on him. Everybody else... Pray treated him with dis- disrespect, disgrace, everything you can imagine. And he looks at Jesus, what do you want with me? Because everybody else, like, I'm sure this is going the same direction. Where are you going to send me? What are you going to do? Are you going to torture me? And here's what I love. Three things Jesus wants with you. Three things Jesus wanted with him. And I love the first one. So Jesus asked him, what's your name? Man, oh God, that just, I've read this story so many times. Oh, and never really thought about that. What do you want with me? Jesus wants to know your name. He wanted to know this person's name. What's your name? Like, can, can you feel the calmness of that? Like, where we're totally, like, freaking out because there's this naked demon-possessed man. And so maybe a lesson here, what Jesus does, like, when you meet those people that are so broken, like, they don't need you to start saying, you've messed up, you've done this, you've done that. I mean, you need to go do this, you need to go do that, you need to stop, you need to stop doing drugs, you need to move out, you need to stop shacking up, you need to do, like, you start this list, Right? 
And, and Jesus, he could have said all this, but he just said, well, what's your name? And this man was so messed up that he said legion. And legion was a name for a huge, uh, a huge group in, the, in the, the Roman military. It was like a lot, thousands, I think. And legion, because many demons are going to be so... He, he couldn't even... He, he had forgotten his own identity. He was so messed up, he had forgotten who he was. And let me tell you, uh, could it be true that, that some of us get in such a shape that Satan has us so distracted that we've forgotten who we are in Christ. That we start to put our labels on ourselves, and, and we call ourselves ugly, we call ourselves worthless. We, we're in such a hopeless state, we just say we're alone. Or maybe you've gone so far, you know people that feel this, they just label themselves as evil. And yet Jesus is speaking to him here, and he just simply says, I want to know your name. So as you interact with somebody down the street or in the marketplace or at your place of business. I mean, there's no better place to start than, I mean, if you care about somebody, you want to know their name. Like, if I'm going to talk with you, I need to know your name. Like, that's a great place to start. What's your name? Jesus just wants to know your name. Here's the other thing we find in 32 through 33. Uh, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. I love that. That they got to, I mean, Satan and the demons that are coming after you, and you better believe he's real. He's seeking whom he may devour. But you, you got to know he answers to somebody. Like, he answers to Jesus. It says Jesus gave them permission and said, all right, you can go to the pigs. When the demons came out of the man, they went to the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. What do you want with me, Jesus? Jesus said, I want to know your name. And he said, I want to help you. I want to help you. And you know what I love about how he helped him? And th this is where, uh, this is where the, as a church, Sometimes we can get we can get um, um, uh, we can get a uh, we can get to where we are serving and trying to help people and it's really just like on the surface and and and, and it's really about self fulfilling ourselves and feeling good that we did something. You see, Jesus didn't do something here where he just fed somebody, like got them through a day. That's not what he did right here. He, he helped them in transformational. He helped, like he helped him transform his life. And I love the blessing boxes, but this, the, the blessing boxes are good, but this is not how Jesus served his community. Check one. Oh, whoa. Lots of reverb. This will be all right. I'm going to hold the mic. This is like the good old days. I might get, well, I might run up around the aisles or something. Get my steps in. So what, uh, 
the blessing boxes are good. This is not how Jesus served his community, though. Okay? Because it's not that much for us to take an extra box or the extra thing that we have and put it in that box and let somebody that we never meet or never see or feel the brokenness or know the situation come by and get it. That, 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 that's good, but this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't want to just make sure you eat today. Like, I care about the situation that you're in. I want to know your name. Like, and, and I don't want to just help you in this one thing. I want to I help you in ways that transform your life, that change your life. I think the church can do this for people. Like, I think it gets... It, 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 it gets messy. We're trying to do it at Faith Life Market. We, we are taking people that are, some of our employees are in difficult situations. They're coming out of addiction. They're coming straight out of uh, recovery. And, 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 and so how does the church play a role in that? Well, I mean, God's got people everywhere running companies, running businesses, uh, physicians. They got, he's, God's got his church like fully on people in very practical, tangible, life coaching, mentoring, support hiring, like all these ways that the church can line up. I'm not talking about how new beginnings can. I'm talking about how followers of Jesus can help these people in transforming ways because that's what Jesus doesn't do anything that's not transforming. He takes old and makes it new. Man, I like this mic. Y'all better watch out. He takes old and makes it new. And that's what he does for this man. He, he said, I want to know your name. I want to help you. I want to help you change your whole life. You think you are destined and stuck and hopeless. You're not. Can the church, can we be to that to people in very tangible, real ways? Help them experience like what's happening right now in your life, the reason. And, and our church has done this. We've had people that have, uh, that have let People stay at their house. Felons stay at their house like crazy stuff. I'm not saying go do that all the time. But you better believe that person that got that opportunity and grace from somebody, it changed their life. They got their kids back eventually. Like that is what I'm talking about. Like how do we do the things that are difficult, that are messy, that are... that. Because you think, well, it doesn't work all the time. God doesn't care about our impact. He cares about our obedience. Like, you got to trust him to do the big and the hard work on the heart. Like, we just got to be obedient and serve and show compassion and grace. And I'm, I'm not saying let people take advantage of you. That happens. But I'm saying if you're going to err on one side or the other, man, just show them grace. Like, you, God's never going to be like, you showed too much grace. You want him saying that to you? I want to I wanna know your name. I want to help you. And then uh, uh, in verse 34, 35, it says those 10 the pigs saw what had happened. They ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened when they came to Jesus. They found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, that's a plus, making progress in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
He wants to know your name. He wants to help. And Jesus said, I want a relationship. See, this man, his life had been changed by Jesus. He didn't run off and leave and go do his own thing again. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. Oh, man, you know he wasn't just sitting there looking at him. You know they were talking. You know they were. Wouldn't you love to know what he was asking Jesus and what Jesus was saying to him and how this was, this was digging deeper and was getting to the surface and, I mean, it's getting below the surface and, and who knows what this man, whatever his real name was, what he was saying is like, I remember when the demons came in. I, God, I, Jesus, I was, God, I could feel that control of me and I thought I cannot do this by myself. I don't know what he was saying. I'd love to know what they were talking about. But what I know is that they were in relationship. It wasn't a one-off experience that he went and did his own thing. That this became ongoing, that this man wanted to talk more with Jesus. He wanted to spend time with him. And, and so Jesus, he wants to know your name. He, he, he wants to help you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants to speak to you through the Bible. You've got to read it. You gotta, he wants to speak to you through that. And you say, I, I'm just in this stage in my life. And I don't know where God wants me to do. And I've been there. And, you know, I've been there at times that I would say that and I hadn't opened my Bible in weeks. Am I, am I the only one that might let this be closed for weeks? And then you get to a point and you start saying, I just don't know what God wants me to do in life. There's probably a reason, because this is where he speaks. This is where he speaks to you, deep in it. And so he wanted a relationship with him. And I love how this ends for this man. This is a lesson. So here's, we go outside, you meet the crazy guy, crazy girl. You're going to meet him in life, okay? You were that person sometime. You might still be. When you meet that person, just ask them their name. Just be like, what can I, be looking for ways just to help them tangibly right there in that moment that day. How can I help you? And then don't forget them. Start to build a relationship with them. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's how Jesus did it when he went outside. And, and, then, and then what I love about this is what he does with the man. Those who had seen, uh, seen it told the people out of the, is this what I just read? No. Told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So Jesus got on Facebook and started arguing. <laughs> this is God, the creator. They said, leave. He didn't start an argument. He didn't start a fight. He didn't start saying, here's why I should stay. You really want me to stay if you just knew who I was. He got in the boat. He got in the boat and left. Because let me tell you, uh, Jesus had all kind of purposes for getting his disciples in that boat that time and going across the Sea of Galilee. Because we know it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was for them to learn a lesson about God's faithfulness and about who Jesus really was because they thought they were going to die. And he's like, you little faith. I'm right here with you. I sent you this way. I'm going to take care of you. But he lands in this unknown land with these unknown people, meets one guy, absolutely disrupts. And let me tell you, the gospel is disruptive. 
I mean, you go into the book of Acts and you get to like 16, 17, 18, those chapters, like it's a riot every other paragraph. They're dragging people out of the marketplace and they're rioting and they're dragging everybody downtown and saying, you can't be doing this. And he goes into this place and he changes one person's life. So he got in the boat and left. 38, 39, the man who the demons gone out, he begged him. He goes to Jesus. He said, God, please let me go with you. I want to go with you. But it says Jesus sent him. Remember what we talked about last week? Just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We've all been sent. Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. If you look at the story of Mark, same story, Mark's perspective on it, he talks about the town the man goes to. It's called Decapolis. It means ten cities. Um, this man, here's your message. You want to know what? what you can tell people, how you share the gospel, one way you share the gospel. He just said, tell them all over town what Jesus has done for you. Just understand how God's grace has intersected with your life and be able to share that story is a great start. Look what God did for me. Here's how he's changed my life, how he's blessed me, how he restored my family. How, to do this, you got to be honest about where you were, though. Okay? you got to be honest. I was a ball of anxiety and fear. I was an atheist. I was whatever was real. you got to be to tell it. you got to be there to say, that's what I was, and he made me new. And so this man, he goes back to Decapolis, and who knows what he says. All I know is like Mark chapter 8 Jesus ends up back in this town, in this place where likely the only way they'd ever heard about Jesus would have been this one man. And 4,000 people show up and are hungry. The story of when he fed the 4,000 was in Decapolis. Because Jesus went outside and went to the place where nobody else go, where it was all hopeless, and he, and he took the worst of the worst, and he, he breathed life into him. And because that one person said, go back and tell, I mean, he just must, uh, I, I, I don't know, how do you spread it like that in a time without technology? But for some reason, 4,000 people showed up when Jesus gets back to Decapolis. Let me ask you this. Who we, who's God putting us on the, the boat to go find? Who's the person in our life right now that, that God keeps putting in our heart and we, we keep moving our comfort and complacency in our business in the way of? You see, God can use you like this man. You share this good news. Like this is how the... How the gospel multiplies, the church multiplies, is when each and every one of us feel comfortable sharing the gospel with people. And in this, God is far more concerned with our obedience than our impact. 
to just share what God has done with us. And so I want to share this uh, little short video because some of you, I mean, it, it's not easy to, to witness to somebody and share them the gospel. This is a really simple way that can help you explain what it means and how for someone to get saved and why we need to get saved. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about something we're going to start doing here for the next uh, month or so as we get ready to go into Christmas. I want to talk about that in just a second. Uh, but watch this short video, and then we'll wrap up this morning. So we live in this world, and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see. There are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world, but this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So he's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And his body is broken for us. And three days after he dies, he rose from the dead and he made a way out of brokenness. And people try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion, things like success or relationships, education or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue His design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent, just like Jesus, back into brokenness to help others come through Him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So where do you think you are? Looking at this diagram, here's what I want you to understand today. I may disagree with him a little bit at the end where he says there's two types of people in the world. On the left, I believe there's two types of people there. Um that, that you, we're pursuing and we're growing and being more like Christ. But, but you can do either two things with that. You can get comfortable in it, okay, and you can begin to just sit there and just enjoy it. And then, or you can, you can do what God has called us to do, and that is to go back into the brokenness. Like you can go outside. This is not, uh, the gospel is not just about you. It is about your neighbor. And so this morning, what, what, I, what I'm praying for is a church full of people who sees it every week that God has purpose in your mission, in your walk, in your life, and where you are, that you are willing to go into brokenness. Not just write it off, not write in faith, trusting God that he can change people's lives. And, 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 and there's a thing about believing, okay? With, with man, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. 
That means you have to believe at all times. Just believe with all your heart that God can change this town. He can change your family. He can change this place. Like, absolutely, all that stuff is easy for him. <laughs> he can do that. And we got to live like we believe he can do it. It might not go as far as we want it to, but he is able to do more than we can ever imagine. So we got to believe, but we also got to trust that he knows best. So we have this uh, we have this thing at our church called Do for One, and y'all, if you've been here for some time, you may remember uh, us doing this. We did it the last two Christmases, I think. And so we've got a link on our website um, where here's, here's what I want you to think about and what I want you to be praying about is I want us to have a serve Sunday sometime in the next month or two. This is going to be like on a Sunday, we're going to come in. I don't know what we're going to do or what the schedule is going to be like. I was thinking we might have an earlier short service. We'll all gather here. All right, then as families, as community, we spend the next few weeks saying, what are the things around us that, that, need, that need help? I mean, I'm talking anything from landscaping at the school uh, to, to mowing somebody's yard to just uh, whatever as we start to think about these things. And, and, and here's where I need your help. I need you to be looking for these people and these things that we could all serve and show some love to make sure they experience God's love. Are you, and you're saying, so you mean we wouldn't have like an 11 o'clock service and have worship and you preach and then, yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> we do something different. Wow, different. And we meet and we as teams, we go out and we just love on the town. We love on people. You know, there's some things, there's like this spot in our neighborhood where we live. I pull in, there's this tall grass and it's probably in the state right away. And I'm always like, why don't they come weed eat that? I wish they'd come all summer. It's this tall now. I mean, I could have ridden my mower now that I got it running. <laughs> it's just like two blocks away and mowed the thing in 30 minutes. Like, what are the things we're waiting for other people to do that we wish it was painted, we wish it was mowed, we wish it was whatever, and let's just do it. Let's just help. Okay? So I want you to be looking for people. It can be an individual. It can be a place. It can be a thing. And all you got to do is go to mbfc.church, uh, click on Do For One at the top right, and there's a little short form, and you can just put that information in there. We're going to start making a sheet. And then if you would like to lead a team, just be praying and thinking about how we're going to do this. We've got the boxing gym that needs some stuff. Lots of great stuff happening there. We need some volunteers over there. We can find plenty of things we can go do. So we're going to start organizing this and putting it together, but we need you to help, help us find some things and people, all right, to serve. And we're going to go outside. We're going to go outside these walls. We're going to go into brokenness. We're going to bear the same disgrace that Christ bore. God, we thank you uh, that you've invited us to follow you. To go, we're thankful that you want to know our name. Thankful that you want to help us. Thankful you want to help us in a transforming type of way, God, that you want relationship with us. 
God, that you've given us a story to tell of what you've done for our lives. And God, please give us the confidence in you. God, give us the strength through your Holy Spirit that lives inside of every believer to share the good news with broken and lost people. God, let us do it in a loving way, not a condemning way. You didn't come to condemn the world. You came to save the world. This is good news we have to share with people. God, let us be a church. Let us be followers that are willing to cross whatever sea, to go through whatever storm. Got to meet with one man that everybody else is running from just to show him that God loves him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.